0: Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC, and enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning, and good morning to everyone who is worshiping online. 17 years ago to date, we held our first official service, River of Life Church of the Assemblies of God, but we just use River of Life Church. Who would have thought on Sunday, November the 5th, 2006, in a rented facility, Cindy and I had no idea. We thought, well, we'd have at least six people there, Cindy, myself, and our four daughters. But we really had no idea of knowing, but then 75 people in total, little babies, children, as well as adults, gathered in that rented facility. And since that time, our church from that 75 is more than quadrupled to where we have not only a no longer needed rented facility because Regal 14 closed down, so we would have been without a church. But God knew, and he gave us this lovely facility located on seven acres of property. So I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that as for me, the commitment I felt from day one, I still carry today for what God has purposed and called this church to fulfill. Amen? Which is why... I believe one attribute that everyone needs to ask God for in life is passion. That's what I want to talk about today, passion. Now think about that word. We've heard it used in, in many applications, but when it comes to our walk with God, when it comes to spiritual things, and even things of other nature, passion will keep you on course it'll keep you motivated focused and disciplined it will also generate authenticity because when you believe something and you're passionate enough about something you're authentic or you have believability it's contagious and when you take in and and it's coupled with unwavering unwavering devotion then people will be touched they will be listened by whatever it is you're passionate about. You'll find throughout history, the shakers and movers in life were passionate above their cause, about their cause. Look at this nation. Patrick Henry said, "Give me liberty or give me death." What motivates a person to want to lay their life down for a cause? Passion. Believing in what you're standing and believing and fighting for. A man or a woman with passion, do you know they're unstoppable? Think of the people you've known in history as well as through the word of God who have gone on to accomplish great exploits. They were unstoppable. That's why I always say passion transforms the ordinary into the extraordinary. How many of you want this kind of passion in your life that will empower, enable you to go beyond the ordinary to the extraordinary. Now, if anybody's wrestling with that, oh, I can't be used like that, then that's a sure sign you lack passion. And God wants to ignite your soul. He wants to set you on fire with a God-given passion. Passion is necessary in every aspect of life. Look at Abraham. What was it that motivated him to want to leave the land of his fathers and go to a place that was unknown to him? No guarantees, completely out of his comfort zone. But yet he chose to go. Why? Passion, his passion for the Lord. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 3. It says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Why did he believe God? Because he had a passion for the Lord, which tells us passion empowers and enables people to believe. If you feel like your belief level has been compromised, has been dwindling, you've been wrestling, struggling with, to believe God, then I wanna encourage you, ask God to baptize you with his divine passion. Every believer, every Old Testament believer, every New Testament believer, the ones who were faithful to go forward, and we wouldn't be standing here today without their faith. They were passionate. And that is what enabled them to believe and to have the faith to do the impossible. That's why scripture always says, with God, all things are what? Possible. So I'm grateful for this passion. But I have to tell you, when I was formulating and putting this message together, God challenged me, and I've always been passionate for my love and my commitment to Jesus Christ. But he challenged me. He stepped on my toes, thank the Lord, when he steps on our toes, amen? So I'm hoping I step on a few toes today for, as the instrument of the Lord. But when we take and we look at this passion, here's the question many people ask. All right, I believe in the passion, I want this passion, I, I want this insatiable commitment to the Lord, but how do I open the door for this kind of passion? It's one thing to hear what we need, how can I get there? And in my life as a preacher and a teacher, I have always been about not only revealing and unveiling what's necessary, but also the process, how to get to that place where we receive from God what he has promised. So in answer to that question, how do we open the door? Turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. I'll be reading verses 37 and 38. You can follow along on the screens, but I want to encourage you. And every week I say this, every Wednesday night I say this, be a student of the Word. So get your phone out, your iPad out, go to the Notes app, turn your bulletin over, we've made it simple, old school. It says ser- sermon notes, you can put things down there. But write these things down and meditate upon them. Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37 through 38, Scripture reads, Jesus is speaking here. He was surrounded by individuals who are asking how they could come into a relationship and to please God. And it says, and the Lord responded in these verses, and you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. We're going to look at three things, all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. How does this come into play with passion? First, you'll find the foundation of godly passion because we see it right here is love. Jesus says, love the Lord. Everybody say love. Love Love will take and motivate us. It will empower us. It, It will create an overwhelming desire to do the right thing. When you're in love with someone, you want to honor the one you love. So Jesus begins by saying, loving God with what? All your heart. Entirely, not in part, all your heart. Now let's look at that word heart in the Greek. The word that Jesus uses there is the word cardia. We're all familiar with that. When there is a heart issue, or you're going for a checkup, you go to who? A cardiologist right? And there are different exercises that we can do that are good for our cardio workout. So Jesus is using the word here, cardio, which is defined, and this is this is going to be an eye-opener for many. It's defined as, this is how the Greeks define this word that they use here that Jesus intentionally chose when speaking about how to love with all your heart. The word cardia is defined as the center of all physical and spiritual life. In other words, it's what your physical and spiritual life revolves around. Without a heart, there's no life, amen? So we need a heart physically to exist. If someone encounters a heart issue, their heart is damaged, a heart attack, then what transpires after a heart attack, whatever part of the heart was affected, dies, and now people are not operating physically with 100% of the heart they were born with, if they were born with a healthy heart, there is now a portion that has been removed. And so when you hear someone say, with that in mind, that they love you with all your heart, that's one of the greatest phrases we could hear. But how would you react if someone said, I love you with most of my heart? Can you imagine, ladies, you're dating someone for an extended time and you're ready to tie the knot. And so finally, the night comes, the fiancé, well, not the fiancé yet, but the young gentleman takes, gets on one knee, and he says, will you marry me because I love you with almost all of my heart? I mean, you wouldn't respond to that. In fact, if you ever get that kind of a proposal, ladies, That's when you get up, don't even respond, and just shake the dust from your feet, as we see in Scripture. See, that's not what people want to hear. That's a half-hearted relationship. No one wants that, and neither does God. God doesn't want us loving him. We see this in the greatest commandment, which came from the book of Deuteronomy. And we also see it here when Jesus emphasizes references again. Loving him. He wants our entire heart, not part of us, but all of us. And that's why, as I said, just as physical health cannot be sustained with a partial heart to the degree it needs to be, the same is true for our spiritual heart. Our hearts, your heart, my heart, those of you watching online, your heart, it reveals your passion when it comes to spiritual matters and even day-to-day activities. Look at Matthew's gospel, chapter 12, verse 34. Jesus said this. He says, out of the abundance of the what? Heart. The mouth speaks. What we say reveals what's in our heart. And that's why we're commanded to guard our hearts. You'll find whatever you put in to your mind and your heart, it will eventually come out. That's why the mouth is just the manifestation. It's the revealer of a heart. That's why giving your whole heart to God is a protection. It protects you, why? Because death and life, that's what scripture says, death and life are in the power of what? The tongue. What we say reveals to the devil or to God. God already knows because he can read our minds. But nowhere in Scripture will you find that the devil has the ability to read your thoughts and know your thoughts. It's not biblical. It's not there. I've heard preachers preach it. I've gone up to them afterwards, and I've, you know, I've, with all humility, I've shared, you know, brother, where do you find in Scripture that the devil knows the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart, a man's heart? Only God knows the thoughts and the intents of a man's heart. But you know how the devil finds out what's in the heart? When we speak it. We reveal and we empower. We saw it right there, death and life or in the power of the tongue. We can either affirm the things of God with our mouths or we can affirm the things the enemy is bringing against us. When we speak our doubts, our fear, our unbelief, we're reinforcing that demonic influence. That's why Scripture says, James said, be slow to speak, quick to listen. We don't want to even speak negativity and death over others. When you see a child running from God, one of your children, your husband, family member, or or someone close to your heart, dear to your heart and life, don't allow fear and panic and negativity to be what you speak. Begin to speak the word of the Lord. Begin to speak faith, even if, if it seems that you've been doing this year after year after year after year. Well, I see a lot of great men and women of God in Scripture and in life who over years spoke the promise of God, and eventually, everybody say eventually. It came to pass. Why? Because they were passionate to believe for the deliverance or the divine intervention that was necessary in whatever the situation was. Where would Israel have been, the nation, if Joseph had become embittered because of the treatment of his brothers, sold into slavery 13 years? He was held in captivity for something he never did. Yet in all of that, as tempted as he was at times to give up, as tempted as he was at times just to deny God and to lose all hope and faith, he continued, he learned, he grew, and he maintained his passion, his commitment for God. And literally it was that passion as he walked through some difficult times God used that negativity to prepare him to be a leader of integrity. God give us more leaders of integrity around this world in positions of political influence, amen? Amen. Joseph held on, and look at what God did. He didn't even know if he'd ever get out, but his passion wasn't about what he could get. His passion was, Lord, you are my strength. You're the only thing that's sustaining me. I love you. Even though I don't understand, I trust, I believe. He continued to honor the Lord in private when no one was looking. And what he sowed in private, one day, aren't you glad for the one day? One day it manifested in public. Praise the Lord. Death and life, again, are in the power of the tongue. So when the Lord is in possession of your whole heart, that means he's in possession of your mouth because when there's a heart change, there's a mouth change. Aren't you glad for that? I'm just astounded how much God has changed my mouth since my first encounter with him, accepting him as my Savior and Lord. I preached a sermon years ago at my previous church, me and my big mouth. God wants to be in control of our mouths. Well, the way that can happen, you can try and try and try to take and, and, and remove the gossip, remove the negativity, remove the, uh, the, the curse of expletives. But when God just gets more of your heart, you're going to find one day it's just not going to be there. Instead of saying a word you shouldn't say when the hammer hits your thumb, you'll say, oh, stink. You're hearing me. I've had times where when I've hit my head And the devil will throw all kinds of expletives at me that I just start speaking in tongues. Then, I really do. I was out doing work here at the church over the summer, came up, hit a nail in the shed that peeled part of my skin on the skull back, and I just started speaking in tongues. A gentleman that we use on the grounds who comes over the summer and helps, he saw me doing that. He's Mexican so I wondered if I was speaking his language but who knows but God knows but God did touch his heart he goes oh Padre that must have really hurt and I said yes Louis, it really did hurt but praise God praise God now when I first got saved that would have never been never been what I would have demonstrated but when the heart changes the mouth changes you know of course choking goes you know, inappropriate comments to the opposite gender, inappropriate meditations of someone that may not be your spouse, looking at the wrong things on the computer when the heart changes, the mouth changes. Why? Because he transforms your very entity. You become more like Jesus. Only he can do that. And isn't that the work he wants to do? Here's a a big theological word for you, sanctification. Most people don't know what that is. But sanctification is when God works out, begins to bring that deliverance, that salvation, into every area of our lives. But that's fed when we feed our passion. How do we feed our passion? I'll get to that. Jesus came, it says in Scripture, to bring life. Matthew, or John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life. Everybody say life. It's the Greek word zoe, life in the absolute fullness. Body, soul, and spirit, so we can love the Lord with our heart, soul, and mind. Came to give you life, and that they may have it more abundantly. The world is filled with inconsistency and betrayal, wouldn't you think? you turn on the TV, you see it. Some of you have experienced it in your own families. And you see people becoming lovers of money, lovers of anything that will promote what they want in life, being very self-focused, material-focused, and even lovers of themselves. Then even in a family where you have children, you have a spouse, a son, a daughter, you a husband, a wife, a, a mother, a father, grandparents, people that love you, when we are so filled with... With the wrong desires, because our heart has not been dealt with, then even the betrayal is demonstrated towards those who are closest to us. Why? Because only God can change the heart. And that's why we need passion. When I first got saved, I was over the top. But I can tell you, even to this day, I love the Lord more now than I did when I first came to Him. In January, I will have been saved, radically saved, 50 years But now, instead of just all of the joy and excitement, there's foundation underneath of me which substantiates and even brings more credibility to my love for God. People always like to see consistency. But when passion is lacking and commitment to the Lord is lacking, there's inconsistency, which eventually gives way to betrayal. Betrayal to God and those around us. God wants to do a work in us. That's why it says he came to give us life and give it more abundantly which then when you think about that, when God takes possession of the whole heart, that's when the freedom Jesus speaks of comes and becomes a part of us. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When you're passionate, you're a disciple. You're pursuing righteousness. You're wanting to learn more from God. You're not afraid to have him challenge your comfort zone, challenge your values. Honestly, this world isn't going to get any better unless believers in this world begin to be filled with the spirit and the passion of Almighty God. What am I saying? I'm saying this, that right now, American Christianity is very weak, very self-absorbed. I never thought I would see church attendance in America go below a couple times a month. Because there are people you get called away on business, you don't feel well. But when I researched a while back and saw that it had gone to 1.5. times per month. And I always say, how do you go half a time to church? You know, you just come in after the worship or you leave after the worship, right? But now it's at 10 times a year. That's less than once a month. The American church has lost its passion. And in losing its passion, it has lost its effectiveness. Now, that doesn't mean if you go to a place and it, it seems to be thriving, they have a wonderful facility, that God isn't doing that. I pray that he is, and many times he is doing that. But there are also others who don't have the anointing of God, the passion of God, which lacks the influence of God, then will turn to human ways of influencing and motivating people. You know, it doesn't take much to fill a coliseum or, or, a, or, or a theater or, or a concert hall if a big-name musician comes in. When you take and you look at sports events, the Eagles will be playing today, the Dallas Cowboys. We're praying and interceding for the Eagles right now. <laughs> but it'll be filled with people who are passionate, painting their face half green, half white. Now, some of you go paint your face half green and half yellow for the river of life colors, right? I don't think that's going to happen. But look at the passion in secular events, and there's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy that. But then it seems as if people, there's greater dedication to what is of interest to them than what is of interest to God. God save the church. God send an outpouring of his spirit. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. So many times we see the political debate and you see one party pitched against another. You know, if a move of God comes, he'll change all hearts involved and you won't even have to have a debate because everyone will be on God's page. We need to pray for a move of God. All that we've been observing in this country is a ping pong game. One has it, then the other has it. And it goes back and forth over the decades, every four years, We need a move of God. We don't need an argument, we need to be God's voice, we need to declare a standard, amen but we don't need to have an argument of spirit. We have to have a spirit of intercession and a spirit of commitment and not to be ashamed to not only tell people about Jesus, but to live out Jesus as well. I always say passion is contagious. I even go to sporting events where of a team that I did not like, did not support, did not cheer for. Uh, cheer for, but the environment at that event was so charged with passion and excitement All of a sudden, when one of the teams got a score, I found myself going up and saying, yeah, and then I went, oh, right. When we're passionate for the things of God, when we love Him with all of our heart, no strings, we don't give Him half of ourselves. We're saying, Lord, take everything. Lord, I belong to You. That's when We are transformed, and people around us experience the effects of it as well. And then once we love him with all of our heart, this is what will enable you to love the Lord with what? All your soul. Now, the word used for soul here in the Greek is the word psuche. It's the same word that we get the word psyche from. Psychology, dealing with the science of the mind, derives its word, from this Greek word, psuche. But here's how it's defined. Write this down. Psuche, psyche for mind, that Jesus uses in this verse, is defined as the breath of life. Your very breath, your very reason for living. Here is an extension. It's the seat of your feelings, desires, affections, and aversions. When someone goes to a psychologist for counsel, They're dealing with what? Their feelings, desires, affections, aversions. And so when Jesus talks about loving the Lord with all your soul, he means with every breath. Let him become the seat of your feelings, desires, affections, and aversions. So in other words, to love the Lord with all your soul means he becomes your breath of life, your existence, and your reason for living. People come and go, even those that love you more than anyone else on this earth. They could leave this earth prior to you. And then that one individual, that was your rock, your foundation, the greatest encourager. Death comes to us all unless the rapture comes in our lifetime, which I pray that happens. And honestly, I believe it's closer than ever. That's why I'm doing this series on Wednesday nights. But when all others are gone, not by choice, but just because of life, God is still there. He will never leave us, he will never forsake us. That's why it's imperative if you're really going to not only go beyond surviving a life, but to be effective in life, to make a difference. I believe all of us wanna make a difference. We'll all make a difference on different levels, but if you really wanna make a difference, then just say, Lord, I need more passion. Lord, I need more so that my feelings, my desires, my aversions are affected, Lord, by my passion for you. Lord, I need a passion that sees you as my very breath, sustenance of life. That's passion. Hallelujah. Listen to the lyrics from a song I believe all of you have probably heard. Worship, too. We've done it here at the river as well. It's called Breathe by Michael W. Smith. I think it fits well with this word soul means. The lyrics read, you are the air I breathe. You are the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. You are my daily bread. You are my daily bread. Your very words spoken to me, and I, I'm desperate. That's passion. I'm desperate for you, and I, I'm lost without you. These lyrics describe someone who is passionate for God. Any of you who've enjoyed the worship music of Michael W. Smith, though many others in that industry have waned in their passion. He is like a father that many look up to. He has remained consistent. Why? Because he has remained in the presence of God, which has fed his passion for God. Love is a verb, right? Those of you who are good with your grammar and your English, love is a verb. In other words, verb acts. It does something. So when I say love is a verb, it's an outward demonstration of the heart when it comes to love. Loving the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul. Love is demonstrated. It's more than just saying, I love you. We've had individuals tell us probably in all of our lives, I love you, then going on to betray us and break our hearts. My grandfather used to always say, boy, talk is cheap. I agree with that. Love acts. Love does something. And that's why when we love him with all of our heart, And with all of our soul, we can't help but be active for him. Turn to John's Gospel, chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. Here Peter had denied the Lord. Then the burial had happened. Then the resurrection took place. And then during that 40-day period while Jesus was still walking the earth, he would appear and he would speak to his disciples and other individuals. And knowing Peter was heartbroken by a bad choice, by his abandonment of Jesus at his greatest hour, the betrayal of Jesus during his greatest hour. Jesus pulls him aside, and he knew it was time to restore Peter, to help him learn, to help him to get back up and go forward. And so Scripture reads, So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He, speaking of Peter, said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He didn't say, I love you more than these. He knew his demonstration didn't reflect that. But he did confirm, I do love you, Lord. Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then he, Jesus, said to him, Feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him again, A second time, summon Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now he removed more than these and just said, do you love me? And Peter, he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. One demonstration, if you love him, is feed his lambs. Another demonstration, the second one, tend my sheep. Then look at verse 17. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now at this point, Peter's not hearing anything other than the Lord asking him the same question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter's trying to answer it honestly, but yet Peter's not seeing what Jesus is saying. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep. So at this point, he's saying, why is Jesus questioning my love? I may not have displayed it fully. I may have blown it during his greatest hour, but he must not believe me. And that's why it says, after Jesus said, Do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him, The third time, Do you love me? And he, Peter, said to him, Lord, you know all things. And we we believe that as well, right? No matter what we say, God knows all things. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Three different ways to display Peter's love to the Lord feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. Three different responsibilities. Three times Jesus asked the question. And three times Peter answers yes, but Jesus wanted more than words. Tending the sheep, feeding the sheep, and feeding the lambs, that's when love does something. If you love me, do something for me. Serve me. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Jesus wanted more than words. That's why love translates itself through what we do. Do you hear me? When you love someone, when they're sick, you take care of them. For better, for worse. When you love someone, you give time to them. No marriage would survive if either party didn't allow time to build intimacy, friendship, and relationship. When you love someone, you want to be with them. when you love the Lord with all of your heart and soul. Do you know what you'll find yourself doing? Loving him with all of your mind. What's the difference between the soul and the mind? They're intertwined, but there's a big distinction. The word mind in the Greek is the word dianoia. It's defined as obviously the mind But here's the distinction. Listen to this. This is going to be liberating when I expand a little further on it. Not only references the mind, but it deals with thoughts, imaginations, and ways of thinking. Mindsets. Did you hear that? Deanoia, the word mind, references thoughts, imaginations, and ways of thinking. Are you getting this? What am I saying? When you love the Lord with all of your heart and soul, it will transform the way you think. I've always said this, the easiest thing for someone to do is get saved. But then allowing the Lord to transform your life, that's where commitment comes in. That's when you begin to deal with the imaginations that have grabbed hold of your mind. You begin to confront the thoughts that have grabbed hold of your mind. And the imaginations and the thoughts and the narratives that have built a way of thinking, a mindset, and at times, obviously, before we know the Lord, there are a lot of mindsets, the way we think, that need to change. They need to go. And so when we love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, and then our mind, loving Him with all of our mind, with His passion constantly growing and increasing, you know what it does? It enables us to break free here, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We begin to think like the Lord, and no longer are we tossed to and fro with every way of thinking, wind of doctrine. The Bible says in the last days, and again, I believe we are in the last days, some will depart from the faith. Isn't that what Paul said in, in Timothy? Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. And doctrines of demons. So these doctrines, these seductions are not from God, they're from the devil. And they're ways of thinking, they're mindsets that people are ensnared by. And the only way a life can change and not be swept away captive into these false teachings is by maintaining your passion. We constantly have to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. When Cindy and I were headed to Israel, we flew Swiss Airlines, so we went from JFK to, uh, to Switzerland and from Switzerland into Israel. When we were just about to Switzerland, when the sun was rising, there were many, many, many Hasidic Jews that were on the jet. They were on there because they were traveling from all over the world for the Feast of Tabernacles that was happening while we were there in Israel, in Jerusalem. When daybreak came... All of the Hasidic Jews, they got up they, they, and they be, put their prayer shawl on and they began to repeat over and over and over, the Lord our God is one God. The Lord our God is one God. And then they would pray, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. There was an, even a symbolic hat that, was, that they would tie on the front of their head which had those scripture verses in it, so that not only were they confessing it, but they were demonstrating, I want to love the Lord with all of my heart, soul, and my mind. And my mind. Tremendous commitment from people who need to give their heart to Jesus just as much as all of us. The Jewish people, yes, there's a plan for them. God has single-handedly brought that nation to life, but they don't get a free pass. But yet I see those that don't know Yeshua, but yet still passionate for God and for that prayer and to live that out and to discipline. How much more when they come to Jesus? I was reading about the 144,000 Jewish uh, virgin witnesses that will preach the gospel after the rapture and they will preach it like nobody's business. There will be many who will come to Jesus during that time. They won't experience the born again encounter because that's when the Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence. But their sins will be forgiven. Then they need to maintain faithfulness to the death. But that 144,000, when they see that they have missed Messiah all these millenniums, they will be sold out, passionate to bring the message of Jesus. The Antichrist will hate them, but that won't deter them because they know to live as Christ at that point, like Paul said, a one-time Pharisee, then apostle. But to, to God, but to die is gay. Amen. So what thoughts and imaginations hammer you? I look at at this country where, where there's human trafficking, trafficking little girls into sex, sex houses and, and slave labor. I, I see all of the prostitution, I see the pornography, I see all of the greed, all of the drugs. We see all of this sin even at the highest levels of government. What's going to change the narrative? What's going to change the mindset? Jesus. But after salvation, people need to be deliberate in beginning to renew their minds. How do we do that? Spending time in prayer reading and studying the Word, and as the writer of Hebrews says, not forsaking the gathering together of the saints, going to church. You will never move past those imaginations that Satan is hammering you with and others who are struggling with that. You'll never move past those strongholds, those ways of thinking, unless you're putting new fuel and food into your heart and your mind and your soul. When the Word of God goes in, the Word of God creates life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Paul said this to the Christians in Corinth, but they were struggling. They needed to move beyond their former bondages. They just couldn't stop the the attack against their minds. And Paul says to them, cast down imaginations. Hmm, One of the definitions of mind, cast down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, which is the Word of God. Anything contrary to the Word of God is not from God. I don't care what respectability of the individual who is sharing something with you may have. If it's contrary to the written Word of God, it's not from God. Somebody say amen. amen. Casting down thoughts, imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. What? Every thought, imaginations, thoughts, They are what dictate our ways of thinking. They are what dictate mindsets. And mindsets become strongholds if those mindsets are contrary to the Word of God. Now, I believe within every believer that there is a dream God has dreamed for us. There are giftings and abilities. And God wants to do things of significance in us and through us. But until we allow the Lord to change our mind, to change the way we think, until we begin to take control and begin to sow the Word of God into us. If we're haphazard in our our attendance and reading the Scriptures, well, I read about once a month. You'll find, then you'll experience once a month benefits. I want my daily bread. Amen? I want the presence of God every day, every month. And when people embrace God, all of his word, and all of their heart, soul, and mind, it will affect their strength. It will produce righteousness. Their lives will be transformed. You know, I've heard people say, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Well, that's not in the word of God. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Satan may try to attack and tempt in that way because he's seen in the past that that has worked but that doesn't mean that's who you are any longer. If any man, that means a drunk, that means a homosexual who gets saved and delivered, that means a pedophile, that means a thief, that means a murderer, that means an everyday regular person. If any man be in Christ Jesus, they are, not will become, they are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. But until we enlarge our passion, which will affect our heart, our soul, and our mind. We may continue to struggle with those things, but the more we put God into us, hallelujah, then you'll find all those other things will drop off and fall by the wayside and no longer be effective. This is what happens when we love him with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. I think of the bondages that were in my life when I first got saved, thank God. I had some deliverances, but then God said, well, this one's on you. I broke where there were strongholds that were spiritually centered. Now you just need to fill yourself up. You need to start loving me, Craig, with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. You need to absorb my word, and that will change the way you think, and when you change the way you think, it'll change what you do, how you speak, how you live and then you'll become passionate contagious how many of you want to be passionate for the lord today how many of you want to be a contagion i mean you, you know when the when the 120 in the upper room left that place when the holy spirit was poured out on them they went to the streets and streets and thousands got saved peter preached but all of the 120 were effective making a difference making a difference passion Is what the Christian church needs more than ever. So ask the Holy Spirit to invade your heart. He wants to take you to the next level. I believe that. He's not content with where his church is. That means us and every other church. When we come to that place of complacency, then we are content not to grow any longer. And then it's as if we're just holding on to heaven. You know, excuse me, but Moses continued to lead the children of Israel until he climbed the mountain and then he was not any longer because God buried him. We are to make a difference for Jesus to our very last breath. That's why when we love him with all of our mind, knowing we are loving him. He is our breath of life. Every breath, we love him. Every breath, every thought, every promise of God, that he has given. Do you know it's waiting there for you? How many are ready to claim your inheritance? How many are ready to make a difference? I'm telling you, there is a storm coming, and the book of Daniel speaks of a pre-Daniel tribulation. And when I say, not not pre-Daniel, pre-tribulation, a pre-tribulation prior to the rapture in the book of Daniel. And I believe we're seeing all of the onset of that where all of the nations of the world will begin to converge on that area in the Middle East. I don't believe this time it's going to calm down, not until the Antichrist reveals himself, and he'll provide a temporary peace. But right now, everything is pointing. This is a, 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 pre-tribu- a pre-rapture, pre-tribulation war. And when, this ha- and when everyone converges, it'll seem as if there's no hope. Then that's when the trumpet of God will sound, the church, the dead in Christ first, then we who are alive, will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And then we will go from this place during the seven-year tribulation, there will be the merits uh, of the Lamb and the Marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years where we will celebrate as the world goes through literally the worst time of turmoil and travail ever known to creation. Ever known. So I believe it's important now for the church to re-examine our priorities. Lord, give me passion. Use me. I don't want to be found wanting. Lord, change my life. I'm ready. Use me. That's why I'm saying, allow Jesus to become your passion. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this word. And I pray, Lord, there would be such a spirit of desire in this house and even to those who are watching online that people will begin to cry out and say, Lord, give me greater passion. They will embrace prayer. They will embrace your word. They will embrace the gathering together of, of the church, believers, the saints, so that their passion can be enlarged and the transformation can take place and all of the vices can fall off and we can become all that you have destined for us to be. Lord, I pray that there would be a cry for more passion, greater passion, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.